Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush is the podcast where you and I explore what it means to win at both work and life. Today, you get to choose how to create a life of meaning and self-expression that includes both your work and life outside the office with your family. Please send through your comments, questions, and topic suggestions to info at nickybush.com. Don't forget to share the Win at Work and Life podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too. In today's podcast, I will be chatting to Sue Fullergood, specialist physiotherapist with a deep interest in mind-body connection and the emotional well-being of us human beings. She's also called the body whisperer or the energy guru. And Sue, it's an absolute privilege to have you on this podcast again. Today, we are going to be chatting about a very interesting topic, something a lot of us struggle with, and that's how to let go at the end of a day. Welcome, Sue. Thank you, Nikki, and I'm so excited to be here and to share some thoughts on the subject. I'm absolutely sure that the most important thing we can do to make ourselves super productive in the world is to pay attention to our rejuvenation, to pay attention to our recovery. And that requires exactly what you've spoken about, letting go at the end of the day so that there can be some downtime, some bucket filling time, as I call it where you can actually replenish your resources, replenish your stores and build yourself back up again. And not only that, if you can't relax at the end of the day, if you can't find a way to let go, then your family never get the best of you. And so, yeah, let's chat. I'm, I'm all for sharing some ideas on the subject. Where would you like to begin? Well, see, I think on an ordinary day, We battle with this because we are very busy people. We are multitasking. We work. We're parents at the same time. And the lines between work and life get very, very blurred. And now we find ourselves in the time of the coronavirus. Many of us obviously right now in lockdown. And some people, of course, are essential services or healthcare workers who are running a very, very long and demanding day. But for those of us who are not in those essential services, everybody is saying to me how their days are incredibly long trying to work from home and parent at the same time while remote working. And there's also this uh, negativity in the air, the palpable fear and panic, which is also incredibly draining. With all of this in mind, I think we're all sitting with the same issue of we get into bed at night and our brains are in overdrive and we're finding it very, very difficult to drop. How can you guide us to letting go of the day so that we actually get a decent night's sleep? Yeah. How do we do that? Well, I'm going to make a whole lot of suggestions, but the first one I think is absolutely vital is boundaries. And uh, I've done a lot of my work from home for a very long time. And, and this is something I learned very, very early on. If you do not put a definite boundary or ring fence around work, then work bleeds into everything you do. And work and, and family and downtime and off time and recreation time all mesh into one. And this is absolutely disastrous for our well-being. So I'm absolutely certain that the very first thing we've got to learn to do is to put boundaries onto our work time. So I like to say, have a routine. Start at a start time as if you had a boss checking your arrival time every day. Sit down at your desk at this allotted start time. Stop at an allotted lunch time. Stop at an allotted tea time. And definitely stop at the end of the day. So that's the very first thing I think is vital for people because this bleeding into everything meshing into one means that you're not ever allowing your brain to let go and relax. You're trying to multitask. It's almost like keeping all the programs on your computer open all the time. Your computer function is just going to go down. Your computer is going to get slow and eventually it's going to crash. 
So allowing yourself to end the day um, and have a definite start time for the day allows you to close down the computer program of your brain and your work so that you can um, go and be at home, fully present with your family. In a way, Sue, what I'm hearing you say is that we actually need to be our own boss. Exactly. We have to be the CEO of our energy and take control and take charge, put in those boundaries. Really, we, you're, you're calling for us to be decisive about our own energy stores. And as you say, it's like when you close down your computer, you go through and you start closing the folders that you were working on for the day, which in my mind is giving the brain a signal that we are slowing down and shutting up shop for the day. Absolutely. It's almost like a ritual. And I think it's got to be exactly that, a ritual. Um, a shutting down and a, a permission for the brain to relax it's the end of the day, it's signaled that it can actually stop trying to function at maximum level and that it can actually go into a different gear. Um, you know, we're like engines. If you rev your engine at full power, full tilt all the time, you're gonna burn it out and we are exactly the same. So what I'd love to say is yes, you have to be decisive and you also have to practice fair labor practice. <laughs> you actually have to be a fair boss to yourself. And I learned this really early on in my life when um, everybody who came into contact, contact with me accused me of being so busy. And when I asked them for, um, once I had to do a, a self-awareness exercise and ask people in my life what, they, what their number one thought about me was, and the number of people who came back and said, driven, drove me nuts. I thought, jeepers, I don't want to be known for being driven. And then I recognized that I wasn't practicing fair labor practice. And I needed to actually change things around because actually balanced would be a much better word for me than driven. And, and I, I love that. Achieve much more if you could be yeah. balanced than driven. I love that. Fair labor practice. That is, <laughs> that's a beautiful way of putting it because we want our own bosses external to us to be fair to us. And yet we're so hard on ourselves. Uh, and, and yes, it goes right back to what you said in the beginning is that we need to put boundaries up and, and have enough self-discipline. Okay. What's next? So the next thing is to recognize that it's never going to be enough. In this day and age, with the demands that are made on us, the number of emails and WhatsApps and requests and yeah, demands um, for our attention, it's, we're never going to get through the pile. And so I think the second thing is to actually acknowledge that, to come to terms with that. You're never going to finish. You're, it's never going to be enough. And there could always be something extra you could do. So learn what you're willing to say no to learn what you're willing to let go to uh, let go of should i say and actually say no actually delete emails actually say i can't to people who are making demands on you which are not taking you in the direction you want to go so i think the the second point i'd like to know, to make is to know that it's never going to be enough to come to terms with that and then to take action in terms of saying no, so that you don't constantly have this feeling that you're drowning under a compost heap of stuff and people keep tipping more compost onto the top <laughs> of your head. Because I think that's how a lot of people feel. Oh, that is such a, an interesting visual analogy <laughs> of having more <laughs> compost tipped on you. Gosh, that makes me want to say no, no. <laughs> exactly. And uh, if you could imagine that um, compost takes a long time to ferment. So if people keep tipping more and more compost onto the top, you know, it's an, it's an unsustainable uh, thing. You're never going to get the compost to actually turn into um, fertilizer. So... Um, you know, you actually have to take an action and say, stop with this compost. I'm actually allowing myself some breathing space so that I can actually do what I need to do. Okay. And next? Next. Um, I think there's something around finding 
the balance between helping and saying no. So I always love to say um, that everything is on a spectrum. And in fact, I'm writing a book about living in the sweet spot. And I can't wait to hurry up and get it out because I think that's really something that people would do so well to consider. We need to be able to help people, but not so much that we harm ourselves. So if we could imagine that it was, that it was on a continuum with being unbelievably helpful on one side, like devoting yourself to the service of others on one side, and on the other side of the continuum being completely selfish and unhelpful. I think the real place we want to seek to be is in the middle of that spectrum. And I think it's a real practice to try to find where is the balance point of how much do I need to help? How much do I need to support other people? And how much do I need to keep for myself so that I am sustainable and I can thrive? Because when you deplete your own self and your own resources, then everybody else suffers anyway. I, I use an analogy, Sue, with my clients that we cannot continue to fill other people's cups if our cup is not filled. So we have to engage in cup filling activities in order to be able to keep giving, to keep serving. And that applies whether you are at the office or whether you're at home with your family. And it's very similar to, I guess, what they tell you on the aeroplane, that uh, when those oxygen masks drop, if you're a parent, you need to take in the oxygen first. Otherwise, you're not gonna be able to help your child. And we get so lost, don't we, in the pressure and the tension uh, and the expectations of every day that we tend to lose sight of ourselves. And we're not saying be selfish, but we're saying this is about self-care. And I think it's such a gray area, Nikki. It's really difficult to find that balance point. I, I invite people to see it as a quest, as something that requires thinking every day. Where do I give myself permission to draw that line? And it differs from different days. But I think the important thing is that you don't want to give everything away to work so that when you come home, the people you love most get the least of you. And, and I think that's just something really important and vital for people to consider, that there is a finite resource of you. you if you deplete it all during the day and, the, and you keep nothing left in the tank, then, as you say, the cup is empty when you get home. Uh, everybody at home is suffering. And so it's, it really is a quest for finding that balance line. Where is helping enough, serving enough, giving enough, and where is giving too much? And that is a changeable point that we need to seek every single day of our lives. And Sue, it will also be a different story and a different a place to draw the line for every single person because we all have very unique lives with different variables. So you might be a healthcare worker who works late into the night, you've got the night shift and you have a very different daily program. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't take time off. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be living in the sweet spot, but you've just got to work it out for your individual circumstances. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, you know, you call it a cup filling thing. I call it a bucket. You know, if your bucket is not being replenished and filled every single day, then it's never going to be able to re retain its level of, of resource. And so one of the things that I often say to people and I really remind myself of constantly is what fills my bucket? What things are bucket fillers for me? And that's different from every person. For me to lie in bed in the morning and take my time drinking my coffee and looking out of the window at my beautiful garden is a real bucket filler. And so I need to factor that in so that I fill my bucket right at the beginning of the day. But what do you need to do? For some, it's a bubble bath. For others, it's a candle lit dinner. For others, it's reading their book in the on the bed or on the couch. For others, it's a TV series. Find what your bucket fillers are 
And, and the important thing is to make sure that the hose pipe is in the bucket, filling the bucket. It's not pouring water on the floor. In other words, you are getting replenished by what you're doing when you're having downtime and when you are in a bucket filling phase of your day. And I really urge people, this seems so important to me, having worked with people for 30 years in my clinic and in my coaching practice. People think it can be done at the weekend. They think it can be left for holiday time or for the end of the year break. It cannot. You have to fill your bucket every day for you to be sustainable. And, and I call it having sustainable pulsing energy. If you're going to have sustainable pulsing energy, you've got to attend to your bucket filling every day. I love that analogy of make sure that the host pipe is in the bucket. <laughs> and how often do we actually not ensure that that is the case? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, for your family, a, you know, a lovely dinner might be a bucket filling, but for you, it might not help. You're going to find because you're just giving out and giving out. Well, I did a, a, a little thing the other day after our last conversation. I reframed it as what would give me joy today? What if I had to pick one little thing that would give me joy over and above the personalized meditation that you gave me, which has been so, so useful in letting go of the day. And it was to go and pick some flowers in my garden. And I realized that through this panic of getting into lockdown, that I'd not taken a walk in my little garden for probably about two weeks, not intentionally. You know, I hadn't intentionally gone out to have a walk. And I get fed by looking at my plants and my flowers and, you know, what I've done in the garden. And I realized that it had been quite some time since I'd picked a couple of flowers and I just put them in a tiny little crystal vase and I cleared my bedside table and I put those flowers next to my bed and it was like I had given myself the most beautiful gift and it didn't take me more than 10 minutes to go and do but it was a visual anchor that this is a little bit of joy that fills my emotional cup fills my bucket and every time I look at those flowers I get that same sense of that was something just for me that was a little bit of self-care I love that you say that. And I love that you did that because, I mean, it's such a little thing. And for heaven's sake, that we don't have time to do that is just insanity. And of course we do, especially if we know that when we do that kind of thing, our productivity goes up. Our ability to focus and perform and give and serve increases. So actually it's win-win. Why on earth would we not do such a thing. So um, I love what you say. I'm exactly the same. I need to get into nature. And in uh, unlockdown conditions, I love to go for long runs or rides on my bicycle or paddle my boat on a dam. I just need to be outside in the fresh air with the sun on my skin and the breeze in my hair. That's what fills my bucket. So right now under lockdown, I know I've got to get out there into the garden. I've got to lie on the grass. I've got to um, pick up the leaves and, and squish them in my hand and look at the clouds. And yes, I can't do the things I normally do, but I have to find a way to give myself that joy. I just love the word joy. It's fantastic. And it's connecting joy for me with the word stopping. Stopping is it's quite an active word. When we choose to stop, we choose to take a pause, we're really not good at this because we tend to eat on the run. We tend to multitask. We're driving and eating and listening to something. Uh, we're, we're always doing more than one thing at a time. So our energy is being dispersed in so many different directions. And even when we, when we think we are taking downtime. As you said, having dinner with the family might not be the thing that fills your cup that you need right now. So after having dinner with the family, what is the single thing you are going to choose to do for you, whether it is that bubble bath or a meditation? But Sue, there's, there's that, 
that run down towards sleep at the end of the day. As a busy parent um, who's had a very long day and now you've got family and you've still got to get to sleep. I mean, I think most of us think that downtime is plonking ourselves in front of a television set because we can then go brain dead. We can literally stop thinking about the myriad things that are sitting on our to-do list undone. And it's that act of dumping ourselves on the couch and flicking a button. But is that actually helping us switch off and slow down? So what a great question. And, and I think this has to be something that's asked by each individual person of themselves every day. So for example, I'll give you an example of my own life. I looked at my eyes. So I talk about bowel clangers, okay? A bell clanger is a physical symptom that you find in your body that alerts you to the fact that your bucket is empty and you're depleting your resources. So one of my bell clangers is headaches. I get terrible headaches when I'm over, overextended and overexhausted. And I also get very dull, sunken in eyes. So I looked in the mirror on Monday morning and I saw my sunken in eyes and I'd been obsessed all weekend with trying to sort out my photograph. So I hadn't given myself an Easter break because I was obsessed with fixing my photos, which should have been downtime, but it wasn't downtime because I was on a mission. So I looked at my eyes and saw this dullness and these sunken in, into their uh, eye sockets, eyes. And I went, hang on a minute, I need downtime today. Today is an off day. And... I know for me to watch movies is very relaxing, but it wouldn't be relaxing if I did it every single day. It wouldn't be relaxing if it wasn't a conscious choice. The conscious choice was I'm going to relax into someone else's life. I'm going to give my brain something completely out of my existence to think about. And I'm going to, it was a choice to do that. I think that's a very different way to engage with a television set than just mindlessly channel surfing and just watching just to give yourself some mind numbing. And so I really invite people to use the television with wisdom. Yes, it has a place. Yes, it has a value. But compulsive habitual watching is just an addiction. And it's just doing exactly that, numbing your brain. It's not filling your bucket. It's not necessarily bringing you joy. It's just bringing you numbness. And so I invite people to make a conscious choice every day. Is this a series night? Is series going to really fill me up? Or is there something I'd rather do? And, uh, and make that choice daily. But the point I'm trying to make is make it a choice. So don't just habitually fall into it because that's what you do every night and the TV's on, and that's what you're obviously going to follow on next after dinner. What I'm hearing you say, Sue, is that we need to be thoughtful about our, ourselves, our needs, and the personal strategies that we create around letting go, switching off, and filling our cups, that it needs to be thought out and customized for ourselves. Absolutely, Nikki. And, and not only for ourselves, but for ourselves day by day, you know, so that we, on a different day, you may need something else to replenish. And, um, you know, for example, if you've been sitting all day to go and sit and watch TV is just insane. What about doing a bit of yoga? What about doing some movement to actually get your body moving? What about switching on the music and, and dancing? So be thoughtful, be mindful and be conscious about the choice. And another word that comes to mind here is self-awareness. You mentioned the word numb. And when we become really overwhelmed, we tend to go, or certainly I do, into a, a place of almost overdrive and over-control to try and control what's out of control. And at the moment, I'm speaking to a lot of people during this COVID-19 lockdown who are exhibiting very similar behavior, that feeling completely out of control because your freedom has been curtailed, your choices have been limited. Now we want to over-control what we, 
what we've got in front of us, which is our work for the most part, or our children, and losing that sense of self-awareness. And one of my symptoms I've realized in the last few days is that I'm pushing myself uh, beyond where I should and working very long hours as many people are reporting they are. And my physical symptom, like you were talking about your sunken eyes, my physical symptom is I feel I can't control my eyes, that my eyes are going all over the show because they're so tired that I feel like I'm not actually able to focus properly. And that's becoming my, my bell clanger. Great. Well, I'm so glad you know it. And now you can tune in in, in um, medical terms, we call it a red flag. And you can use that as your absolute red flag. The instant you have a sensation behind your eyes, you know, wow. I'm in trouble here. But um, what I'm really uh, hoping is that people can get to the stage where they don't wait till the bell clangs. They can attend to this before there's a need for the body to talk and, and a, bell clanger to, a bell to clang, if you like. So, um, yeah, I think uh, people feel that more is better, and especially when they are suffering from fear. And, and I think this is a time in which fear is exquisitely prevalent and, and everybody's suffering from fear because we are uncertain. We, you know, people say it's going to be okay and it's going to be a new world dawning and things are going to be different, but we don't know what that's going to look like. Every time we turn on a podcast or a webinar, not yours, Nikki, but many, it's all about the economic disaster that awaits us. And it's all about the poverty and the, and the, you know, the stock market that's crashed. And, and so there's just this constant sense of uncertainty and that brings up fear for us. What brings up fear because we're terrified of scarcity. We're terrified of not having enough and not being um, secure and not knowing what tomorrow is going to look like. So I think the first step, and I work a lot with fear that's um, and the neuroscience of fear in my practice. And, the first thing I, I absolutely maintain is that awareness is key. So once you can actually tell the truth to yourself that I'm suffering from fear, then you can actually have it so far into your conscious mind that you can actually be there for yourself in a supportive capacity. And I did a very interesting exercise I'd love to share with you all this morning. Um, in, as part of trying to understand fear, I decided to take up, um, in years gone by, um, parachuting. And I parachuted repeatedly, um, taking myself into what was for me absolutely terrifying. And I don't know if any of the listeners have tried parachuting, but it honestly is terrifying. I mean, they asked you to, well, they did in those days anyway, to walk out onto the strut of an airplane and you're literally hanging on by your hands way above the ground. And then they go three, two, one, let go. And you have to let go your hand. And it's totally counterintuitive. And it was unutterably terrifying. In fact, the first time I did it, if you don't mind me using the F word, I literally went the F word all the way to the ground. And it took a good five or so minutes and I just didn't stop with this long. <laughs> so you're such an adventurer. <laughs> you're such an adventurer. You're such an explorer and, and an amazing example of someone who literally walks right into their fear in order to dissolve it. And most of us are too terrified to even contemplate doing that. And yet you've done it so many times that you've proven that you can quite literally overcome your fear in one area, which I'm sure then transposes itself into other areas of your life. Because if you could have, if you can dissolve your fear here, well, why can't you go and dissolve your fear there? Exactly. Well, what I was really trying to do in that exercise of repeatedly letting go of the strut of an airplane was to investigate the process that was going on in my brain. What was I trying to do as I overcame the fear in order to face it? What was the decision-making process? And I wanted to do it so many times that I could slow it down so I could actually see the chain 
of thoughts and of activities that were happening inside my brain. So that's just also part of me. I'm a very curious person <laughs> and I want to unpack things and understand them. So usually I use the laboratory of my own self and life to, in order to achieve that. But what I learned that day or those weeks, uh, it actually took weeks, by the way, but quite a few in one day, was that it's a, it is literally a process and eventually it's a decision that I'm actually going to trust and I'm going to face this. So in the instance of um, parachuting, I reminded myself rationally that this parachute has been checked by me and by someone else. If it was too dangerous to do, this company would never allow me to do it. Uh, thousands of people have done it before and very few people have hurt themselves. It, it was a rationalizing process that went on in my head. And then it was a, okay, there's enough evidence to support the, that the risk is, is acceptable to me. And so I'm going to choose to face this fear. Now, how do we extrapolate that information into what's going on for people right now in COVID? And I think the answer to that is the first thing you have to do is to say, yes, I'm afraid is to acknowledge it and to actually, I suggest, take a pen and paper and work out what the hell are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Um, because if you don't know what you're afraid of, you can't face that fear because you don't know what you're trying to face. But uh, from my own perspective in this COVID situation, I'm afraid of being bankrupt. I'm afraid that all the money I've tried so hard to be careful with and save and invest and all that is going to be worth nothing. And then I don't know how I'll, you know, what the future will look like. And so once I've got the fear diagnosed and I actually can put it into a box and say, this is the fear, then I can choose what process I need to do to start to face that fear. For example, if I stick with my own example, which might or might not be useful to people, but you can put slot your own uh, story into the information I'm giving you, hopefully, um, if I looked at my story, well, I know that if, if I really had no money and I really, really, really was on the street and, and, and life was unbearable, well, in truth, I could stop eating and it wouldn't take me very long to put myself out of my misery. And I honestly say that is a thought I have and that is part of the rationalization for myself of going, you know, as long as it's fun, I'll be alive. And if it's not fun, well, it actually have some choices in it. And you might say that's really macabre, but for me, it's a rationalization process that helps me to say, right, okay, I'm going to face this fear. I'm going to show up and live today for today, and I'm going to actually let go of tomorrow. And as part of letting go of tomorrow, I've actually stopped listening to um, conspiracy theories. I've actually stopped listening to all the information about the global disaster that awaits us. And I'm actually saying, right, it's a choice for me, I'm actually not going to take that information on board because it's really not helping me. In essence, what you're saying is that we need to give our own energy, our own being, leadership, because it is so easy to be led astray, as you say, by this conspiracy and that idea, etc. So be really, really mindful of who you are listening to, keep it very limited, and make sure you focus on centering and grounding yourself in this moment where you find yourself right now, what is it that we do have control over? And try not to focus on all the other things that we don't because our power lies right in this moment, in this second. Our choices sit right in this moment. Our attitudes are shaped by what we choose now, not necessarily what we think we might be choosing in two weeks time or two years time. And we often forget this moment in that maelstrom of what's going on in our heads. And that can happen on a, a very normal day, not even during this very stressful COVID time. I think we get completely thrown off center on a daily basis, just by normal life stresses. I completely agree with you. And that is exactly it. I love the way you put it, Nikki. Lead yourself. Your brain, your, what you think about, what you let into your own world is your choice. And you can say no. And when you say no, you are actually taking self-leadership. 
and you're actually protecting and preserving your own neurobiology. So in my instance, for example, I noticed that when I listened to those conspiracy theories telling me how dreadful the world was going to be and how all my freedom was being taken away and, 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 I noticed my neurobiology was changing. My cortisol levels were going up, my adrenaline levels were going up, my serotonin levels were going down, and I just didn't feel happy anymore. I felt worried and stressed and anxious, and I'm the boss of my mind. I'm the boss of me. So I can lead myself by saying no to information, by saying no to thoughts and actually allowing myself to think the thoughts that are going to give me the neurobiology that's going to support my success. And to take it one step further, support my joy, actually. Yeah, I love that. And I think the words that we choose to use are incredibly important. I mean, just using the word joy I choose my joy, I choose to support my joy, is such a powerful, it, it has such a powerful energy all on its own. It's like, oh, I want that. I want that. Um, versus, you know, so there's so much else on offer that we can do and we can say. And, and it's a really interesting thing about, you know, when we started this lockdown, there was going to be so much we were all going to do and accomplish and try. And gosh, I think most of us are actually so exhausted and stretched that we, we're realizing that we're going to get to the end of lockdown whenever that is. And we won't have learned, uh, you know, a new program and we won't have done a million and one things as you were trying to do your photo albums. That actually became an intensely stressful experience for you because you were on a mission to make it happen. Uh, and and I, I guess we are losing our ability to feel our way back to ourselves because there is so much doing. And how important is it to find your way back to yourself before you go to bed every night? So, so true, Nikki. And, and I just want to um, call back on that, you know, Yes, accomplishing goals is a wonderful thing. And um, ticking things off your list and being productive is a wonderful thing. But it's got to be done in the sweet spot. It's a balance. And when we make it a mission and a compulsion and an obsession, we take away all the joy. And, and I think what I want to just call attention to is it is a choice. It's a choice. And we forget that it's a choice and so then we make the choice in automatic pilot if we're not conscious and aware not and really automatic was... pilot though sue in a way we make the choices as victims of circumstance as opposed to choosing how to structure our circumstances around our our thinking our own thinking as victims of circumstance and if i may add to that as fear avoidance. We're just trying to avoid the fear. So in my instance of my photograph mission, I was trying to avoid the fear of being in chaos, of uh, not being a well-ordered, productive human being. So yeah, we often choose from that. And, and uh, maybe it's, it's um, out of victimdom, maybe it's out of fear avoidance, and maybe it's just out of ha habit, out of allowing the automatic pilot to run the show. But I think the critical factor is to remember that actually every moment of our lives is a choice, and we have to make that choice consciously. Otherwise, it will be made unconsciously. But so you said before we go to sleep at night, and that was really what we were talking about here today. So I would love to just put forward an idea of a ritual for letting go the day. Um, the mind needs a signal um, in order to get us, to get it to understand that it's time to stop thinking, that it's time to stop being productive. It's time to rest now. And so um, I love what you said about switching off the computer as you close down all the programs, you're actually giving your mind a symptom. I also find that as I have my shower in the evening, that I'm letting my day go down the basin, or the, um, not the basin, the drain, and I'm, I'm letting go of everything I didn't do, and I'm letting go of everything that didn't work today, and I'm just allowing today to have been today, 
and knowing that tomorrow is a new beginning, another chance. And so I make my shower um, and my teeth brushing as I watch the water go down the basin or down the drain, that this is the end of today. It's done. I can't resurrect it or do anything more about it. It's over. And I find that a great ritual. You're talking about using visual cues to almost visualize your day closing. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you talking about the, the toothpaste going down the plug, uh, down the drain, and you're watching it circling, and you're almost in that moment unwinding. It's a spiraling of, because I'm thinking of that water going down um, the drain, that it spirals, and you're, you're, un, you're letting go of that day and, and releasing it. And that's, that's such exactly. a simple idea, actually. It's exactly it. You know, I often um, do it as a practice for myself in a meditation, but I also do it a lot with, with clients of mine when I'm working with them. Just to hold something in your hand and let it go. That is literally that just letting it go, letting it fall, letting it go is what it's all about. <laughs> Actually saying, I have no power to go backwards and redo it. It's done, it's finished, gone. And yes, I love that you say it spirals down the basin because that really is what we need to do is let our nervous system unwind so that we can go to sleep. And the letting go of, as you say, taking something and dropping it, whether it's a ball or whether it's a coin or you could take anything. I'm thinking right now, actually, I'm wearing a, a soft, fluffy scarf. And I, you've just given me an idea. What if you bunch up a scarf at the end of the day, hold it high up and let it go? It's going to float slower than something heavy and might give you that kind of sense of slowing down. But this is a very physical trigger, a tangible trigger. You're actually giving yourself, going back to what you said earlier, permission to let go. It's visual, it's tangible, it's a signal. It's like a, a switch. Yes. Hmm, yes. I love that. And in fact, I'm going to take it one step further because I do that at the end of my day as well. So to mark the end of a day, I always wash my hands and I wash them thoroughly right up to my elbows. And it's the real conscious, right? I'm letting go of all the people I've helped, all the problems that they've brought to me, all the thinking I've done to try to help them. It's gone for me. Now it's my time. And I find that ritual of hand washing really, really helpful. It's just a symbol for my brain of let it go now. And what I'm seeing there in that symbolism is that you're actually taking away all the energy of others that you've picked up through the day and you're claiming your own energy back. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're washing the frustration and the stuff you couldn't figure out and you couldn't get right and, and all that away, as well as the attachments and the, you know, the places where you think you've succeeded. None of it matters now because it's gone. Mm. So Sue, what else do we need to do to let go of our day? Is there anything else? So yes, there's one more thing um, that I want to put forward. And this is very unconventional. So bear with me. I am a boundary pusher. I'm just telling you, well, Nikki told you I love to adventure. And one of the things that I've discovered that is unbelievably helpful if there's still frustration or angst or stress that you're carrying at the end of the day. There are two things. One is swearing. Now, you might say that's, I can see Nikki's face going, what? Did you just say swearing? Did she just say? <laughs> and I did. I said swearing. In fact, I've got a whole chapter in my book on swearing because it's swear words are, come from a different part of the brain to the rest of our language. And it, the reason is because we're trained from a young age that they carry emotion. And there have been many studies, one particularly good one from Harvard University, that have showed how a swear word can release emotion. They've done studies where they've found that um, your pain tolerance goes up 
when you swear. So for example, if you had to put your arm in a bath of freezing cold water, you would be able to keep your arm in that freezing cold water for a lot longer if you were allowed to swear. So I find when I've had a really tough, challenging day, when there's been a lot of emotion, I literally let out as many expletives as I possibly can. And I find that in the end, I pack out laughing. And that is such a useful ritual. My children and I use it together a lot as well. If anybody's had a big disappointment, we go, right, here's the ring fence. We've got five minutes. Swear as badly as you can and let it all out. And everybody joins in in support. And it always lands up in fits of laughter because of the amazing words we can come out with and the number of different ways you can say the same thing. But the emotion it releases is fantastic. But if you don't like swearing and you just simply can't bring yourself to use a swear word, screaming also helps. And I sometimes find at the end of the day, if I really can't unwind, that to stand, if you like, uh, under the silver of the moon and actually let it all out, screaming, um, shouting, whatever, really, really helps. So I, hopefully I don't do it loud enough to bother my neighbors, but it does help me to release uh, any emotion before I try and sleep. Because if I don't, that emotion's going to go round and round in my unconscious mind and my nervous system is not going to be able to unwind and let me into a deep sleep. Failing that, a pen and paper. And I like to write things like, I'm pissed off about, and I'm so angry because, and I just vomit it all onto the page. And then I tear it up and throw it in the dustbin. And that often releases it for me if I'm mm. still carrying stuff. What we're talking about here is that we need to allow ourselves and give, us, give ourselves permission to vent. We are often so polite mm. that we don't actually uh, give any airtime to how we really, really feel. It's something that I've encouraged families to do over the years in the car. Like uh, if there's some tension, have a primal family scream where everybody screams and we all go one, two, three, and you scream. Who can scream for the longest and the loudest? And kids absolutely love it. And it's amazing how everybody feels so much better after they've had a primal scream. So very much like what, you, what you're mentioning here. Well, I'm gonna have to try this, Sue. Okay. <laughs> Other than venting, um, what else? Well, I'd say that's quite a lot. And I would say that if you can start doing these things, you're going to give yourself the opportunity to let go, to relax, to unwind, to allow yourself to be as you are, to feel the emotions that you do feel without uh, policing them, but actually to give them credence and permission to be there and to release them wherever and however you can and to pay attention to the self-care and to make boundaries around your time and to make to give yourself permission to have a balanced life with as much off time as you need for you to be able to thrive and be sustainable and to pulse with energy and joy. So you haven't mentioned meditation. Is there a place for meditation in this letting go ritual towards bedtime? So um, thank you for raising it, Nikki. And, and one of the reasons that I haven't mentioned meditation right now is because I prefer myself to meditate first thing in the morning. Because for me, meditation is about focusing my brain and I want to do that first thing in the morning. In the evening, it's more about relaxing. And so, yes, breathing. Yes, listening to gentle music or listening to the sounds of the night. If you call that meditation, great. Uh, then yes, meditate at night. But for me, that's more just relaxing, conscious relaxation. Uh, but I do my actual focused meditation where I'm taking my brain and I'm giving it something to anchor onto and focus onto. I do that first thing in the morning. So that's and the reason I didn't mention it now. I've got one last thing to, to mention, and, and we did talk briefly about sleep in our previous interview, but in case people don't, haven't heard that podcast, so many people watch television just before they go to sleep. Uh, in terms of this letting go of the day, where would you position television watching if you are going to watch TV before you go to sleep? So... 
I'm so happy you raised it and um, I didn't mention it because we've talked about it in our previous podcast, but right to say some people, of course, may not have listened to that podcast. So um, screen time just before you go to sleep makes it impossible for your nervous system to unwind. So be extremely mindful that um, a screen, especially a television, is really, really stimulatory. To your, to your brain. It's giving it so much information in the, sound of, in the sense of sound, in the sense of lighting, in the sense of data, and it's totally stimulatory. And that is disastrous just before you go to sleep. So far better would be to switch off the television at least half an hour, preferably an hour before you want to go to sleep. Switch off your phone and put it outside your room and then put yourself into bed after you've done your ritual and your um, cleansing ritual and read your book or listen to gentle music or snuggle with your loved one who is lying beside you if they are and really allow your body to unwind in that way. So we don't want to be overstimulating and the television is the worst thing for that. And in fact, I would go so far as to say, and I know people hate me for saying this, take the television out of your bedroom. It's not a bedroom piece of furniture because honestly, the bedroom is about re relaxation, unwind and sleep. And the television is about everything except that. Once again, Sue, lots and lots of food for thought. Um, you really have a way of giving amazing visual analogies that we can put to practical good use straight away. Thank you so much for adding to the Win at Work and Life podcast with your wisdom and your experience. Sue, where can our listeners get more information about you and the work that you do? So I've got two websites. One is uh, www.bodybrilliance.co.za and the other one is www.theenergyincubator.com. Uh, the second one is more a corporate uh, website for the work that I do for corporates. And, uh, and then I have a, um, a website for Sue Fullergood as well, which talks more about the speaking that I do and the keynote addresses that I do. Um, and people can get hold of me with pleasure on my email addresses, either sue at bodybrilliance.co.za or otherwise sue at the energy incubator, all one word the energy incubator with two e's dot uh, com sorry and uh, they can get hold of me with pleasure i'd be only too happy to help if uh, people want to know a little bit more thanks sue and to everybody out there sue does incredible work so go and look her up and here's to sustainable pulsing energy moving forward taking charge of filling our buckets filling our cups and please don't forget to share the win at work and life podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too thank you sue thank you nikki have a great evening <laughs>